Turn with me tonight in your Bible to 1 Samuel chapter 14. 1 Samuel chapter 14. We're going to read from verse 1. 1 Samuel chapter 14. The verse 1. Let's hear the word of the Lord. Now it came to pass upon a day that Jonathan, the son of Saul, said unto the young man that bare his armor, Come, and let us go over to the Philistines' garrison that is on the other side. But he told not his father. And Saul tarried in the uttermost part of Gabeah, under a pomegranate tree, which is in Migron. And the people that were with him were about six hundred men. And Ahiah, the son of Ahitub, Ichabod's brother, the son of Phinehas, the son of Eli, the Lord's priests in Shiloh, wearing an ephod, and the people knew not that Jonathan was gone. And between the passages by which Jonathan sought to go over unto the Philistines' garrison, there was a sharp rock on the one side, and a sharp rock on the other side. And the name of the one was Bozes, and the name of the other, Sineth. The foremost of the one was situated northward over against Michmash, and the other southward over against Gabeah. And Jonathan said to the young man that bare his armour, Come, let us go over unto the garrison of these uncircumcised. It may be that the Lord will work for us, for there is no restraint to the Lord to save by many or by few. And his armor-bearer said unto him, Do all that is in thine heart. Turn thee. Behold, I am with thee according to thy heart. Then said Jonathan, Behold, we will pass over unto these men, and we will discover ourselves unto them. And if they say thus unto us, Tarry until we come to you, then we will stand still on our place, and will not go up unto them. But if they say thus, come up unto us, then we shall go up, for the Lord hath delivered them into our hand, and this shall be a sign unto us. And both of them discovered themselves unto the garrison of the Philistines. And the Philistines said, Behold, the Hebrews are come out, forth out of the holes where they have hid themselves. The men of the garrison answered Jonathan and his armor-bearer and said, Come up to us, and we will show you a thing. And Jonathan said unto his armor-bearer, Come up after me, for the Lord hath delivered them into the hand of Israel. And Jonathan climbed up upon his hands and upon his feet, and his armor-bearer after him, and they fell before Jonathan and his armor-bearer after him. And that first slaughter which Jonathan and his armor-bearer made was about 20 men 
wherein is it where an half acre of land, which a yoke of oxen might plough. And there was a trembling in the host, in the field, and among all the people, and the garrison, and the spoilers, they also trembled, and the earth quaked. So it was a very great trembling. And the watchmen of Saul and Gabeah of Benjamin looked, and behold, the multitude melted away, and they went on, beating down one another. Then said Saul unto the people that were with him, Number now, and see who is gone from us. And when they had numbered, behold, Jonathan and his armor-bearer were not there. And Saul said unto Ahiah, Bring hither the ark of God, for the ark of God was at that time with the children of Israel. Amen. We'll end the reading there at verse 18. And we pray that God will stamp with his own approval and blessing this reading of the Holy Scriptures. Now my text tonight is taken from 1 Samuel chapter 14 and the verse 6. And my theme this evening is a call for youth to have faith in God. Mark chapter 11 verse 22 says, have faith in God. First Samuel 14 and 6 was spoken by Jonathan, King Saul's son, to his young armor bearer. Listen to what he says. Come, let us go over unto the garrison of these uncircumcised. It may be that the Lord will work for us, for there's no restraint to the Lord to save by many or by few. Now let me explain the context of these words. Things in the land of Israel were really bleak at this time. Once again, the children of Israel had fallen on difficult days and hard times. The ancient enemy, the Philistines, had invaded the land and occupied and dominated large swathes of the countryside. Sadly, King Saul is pictured as being in a very weak and in an ineffective situation. He tarries, according to verse 2, in the uppermost part of Gabeah. He's sitting under a pomegranate tree and there's only 600 men with him. Most of the rest of the men of Israel are in hiding. They're keeping their heads down. They're saying and doing nothing. And in fact, things are so bad, even if the men had chosen to fight, they had got no weapons of warfare. And you'll find that information in 1 Samuel chapter 13 and in the verse 22. And it says, so it came to pass in the day of battle that there was neither sword nor spear found in the hand of any of the people that were with Saul and Jonathan, but with Saul and with Jonathan his son, they were found. That means that Saul had a sword and Jonathan had a sword. Two swords for the entire army of Israel. Added to the situation is the fact that King Saul had willfully rejected to obey the Lord's commandment. He refused to wait on Samuel coming to offer the uh, sacrifice unto God. 
Saul offered it in his stead. Now Saul, of course, wasn't a priest. He had no right to offer the blood sacrifice to the Lord. And, of course, he ignored Samuel's instruction. Samuel had told him in 1 Samuel chapter 10 and in the verse 8, he says, And thou shalt go down before me to Gilgal, and behold, I will come down unto thee to offer burnt offerings and to sacrifice <coughs> sacrifices of peace offerings. Seven days shalt thou tarry till I come to thee and show thee what thou shalt do. And as a result, Samuel told Saul these words. This is what he said. Thou hast done foolishly. Thou hast not kept the commandment of the Lord thy God, which he commanded thee. For now would the Lord have established thy kingdom upon Israel forever. But now thy kingdom shall not continue. The Lord hath sought him a man after his own heart. And the Lord hath commanded him to be captain over his people. Because thou hast not kept that which the Lord commanded thee. First Samuel chapter 13, 13 and 14. And now when we come to chapter 14. You see King Saul in hiding, sitting under a pomegranate tree, waiting there in a state of inactivity and unbelief. He's been rejected by the Lord. He rules over a very fearful and crumbling kingdom. There's a large Philistine army occupying the whole land of Israel. We're told in chapter 13, verse 5, that the Philistines have 30,000 chariots. They have 6,000 horsemen. They have a multitude of people as numerous as the sand on the seashore. So things look very bleak. Things are very dark indeed. And yet the wonderful thing about it is this, that against this gloomy backdrop, two young men, one called Jonathan the king's son, and his armor-bearer, who's also a young man, who's unnamed, they step forward into this very bleak, difficult situation, and they display amazing faith to the glory and honor of the Lord. As I've said in Mark 11, verse 22, the Bible tells us to have faith in God. What is faith? Faith is forsaking all. I trust him. And these two young men trusted in the Lord to give the victory over the garrison of the Philistines that they attacked. The Bible also tells us that it was without faith it is impossible to please him. For he that cometh to God must believe that he is. And there is a rewarder of them that diligently seek him. Two young men who have faith in God. Two young men who are willing to trust the Lord. Two young men who witness and experience the wonder and the glory of the Lord's deliverance and power through faith. Together, these two young men defeat an entire garrison of the Philistine army and under God wrought a great victory. And my call tonight, as we think of truth for youth, remember last week we had truth for youth, a call to remember. So this is a call for the youth of the church and of the land to have faith in God. Now let's look at this situation. Think of the resolution that faith employs. 
think of Jonathan, the king's son. And as we're introduced to him in chapter 14, he decides that it's time to do something for God. To do something for God's honour and God's glory. He's fed up with sitting back. He's fed up with doing nothing. He's a soldier in the army and he wants to fight for the Lord and for his glory. He doesn't want to be inactive any longer. And in his heart and in his mind, he is stirred. Now, where's his father? His father's under a pomegranate tree in the uppermost parts of Gabeah. In other words, his father has not only sadly failed the Lord, and that's the picture there, a failure sitting under the pomegranate tree, but we're told that Saul tarried there. Paul, Saul is sitting down. Saul is doing nothing. Saul is the king. He's the leader, but he is inactive. He's sitting in fear. He's sitting in unbelief. And of course, verse 3 tells us who's with him. Some of the relatives of Eli. A man called Ahiah. He's the son of Ahitub. Ichabod's brother. The son of Phinehas. The son of Eli. And of course, you only have to think of apostasy. You only have to think of immorality. You only have to think of the glory departing from Israel. Here's a, a disobedient king. A, a rejected king over a crumbling nation. And here's a, a man who's involved in disloyalty as far as the priesthood is concerned. And who is it that speaks up for God? Who is it that decides to do something for God? It's a young man called Jonathan and his armor bearer who is unnamed. Jonathan is a Christian young man who speaks up for God and he speaks with feeling. He speaks with fire in his soul. This is a definite day. This is an momentous occasion. This is a grand opportunity for a display of faith. And I want you to think, young people, tonight of the resolution that faith employs. I want you to think of the goal that Jonathan has. The determination in his soul that he displays. What does he want to do? He wants to go. And he wants to do something for God. And he wants to strike a blow at the enemy. Think of Jonathan. By faith. Going for God. Think of his father. What's the opposite of going it's tarrying. A king sitting, tarrying under a tree. A man who has failed God. A man who has disobeyed the Lord. A man who is weak and unwilling to go and fight the enemy. He's waiting for something. We don't know what he's waiting for. But we know he's unfit to be the leader to lead. He could argue. But we have got no equipment. We have no weapons. I've got one sword and Jonathan has a sword. We have 600 men with no weapons. We've only got pitchforks and a few other farm household items. 
We can't fight the enemy. He could have argued, but wait a wee minute. You're being hard on me. There's too many of them. We're outnumbered. Did you not know there's 30,000 chariots down there? There's 6,000 horsemen. We have nobody on horses. And there's tens of thousands of people with them. He, he could argue. Our people's hearts are failing them for fear. We, we really have lost our edge as far as trust in the Lord. All these arguments Jonathan was familiar with, but he was not like his father. He was not going to sit back and do nothing. He had resolved in his mind that even if he feels, he feels he must exert himself for the honour and glory and the cause of God. Now think with me for a moment of the state of our own country. Think with me for a moment of the state of the church. We could talk about the lawlessness in the land and the immorality and the sin that abounds. We could point the finger at the true state of the so-called Protestant church 500 years after the Reformation. And what do we need? What does the country need? What does the church need? It needs young men and young women who will exert themselves for God. Who will go for God because they have believed in the Lord and trusted in him for not only to be their God, but to be their Lord and Saviour. And that's the resolution that faith employs. I'll go to, for God. Facing an impossible situation. Arguing, there's many arguments against going. No weaponry, we're outnumbered. People's hearts are failing them for fear, Jonathan. But I'll go for God. What God wants and needs is young people to believe in him. To put their trust in him. To prove him. You see, couldn't we argue tonight that, that there's a, 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 a vital dearth of great men of God in the country and in the church? Where are the Martin Luthers of our day and generation? Where are the John Knoxes? Where's the John Calvins? Where's the William Tyndales? Where's the old Puritans at now? Where's the Scottish Covenanters? You think of the Kirk of Scotland and this decision for same-sex marriage. And the impact that that has in the life and witness of Scotland. And I just have thought to myself, if the old Scottish Covenanters were there, they'd be rising up. There would be protest. They would say, but we're set for the defense of the gospel. Where's the Edwards, the Robert Murray McShane's? Where's the Bonner brothers? You see, the church and country, whenever it faces an absence of spiritual giants who have a burden and a love for the cause of God, what happens? When there's the absence of the spiritual giants, then it falls to the regular foot soldiers to take on the burden of the work. To have the cause of God fill their heart and mind. To go and do something for God. We could ask the question, if the king's sitting tarrying in the uppermost parts of Gabeah under a pomegranate tree, 
Who will carry the standard? It'll be the young people. The young Jonathans. The young unnamed armour bearer. The resolution that faith employed. We're only a small congregation. We're a handful of people. But what do we need? We need faith in God. Jonathan Armour Bear were on the move. Did you know that they could have made another argument against not going? No equipment. We're outnumbered. The people have lost their cutting edge. My father's sitting trembling in fear and unbelief. But this ravine that they were trying to climb up was an impossible ravine. Did you pick that up in the reading? And between the passage by which Jonathan sought to go around to the Philistines' garrison, there was a sharp rock on the one side and a sharp rock on the other side. And the name of the one was Bozes and the name of the other, Sine. Do you know what those words mean? When you think of this, the names of these two rocks, one rock means slippery. In other words, when you go to climb up, you could very easily slip down and fall even to your death. The, the other, sine, means thorny. In other words, it can't be climbed. It's difficult to rain. Too steep, too hard. It can't be done. It's impossible. The garrison can't be attacked. But that wasn't the way Jonathan looked at it. That wasn't the way the young armour bearer looked at it. You see, their faith in God laughed at the impossibilities. And they have got zeal. And they have a desire. And they have a resolution and a determination to go. They're determined to do something for God. I, I was thinking of Isaiah. Here am I, Lord. Send me. And what do we need in the free church? We need young men who have put their faith and trust in the Lord. And young men who will say, well, I'll go and do something for God. And I'll leave a mark for God. And I, under God, will strike at the enemy for the glory of God. That's the rev resolution that faith employs. Notice, secondly here, the revelation that faith expresses. If you go back to verse 6, not come and let us go over unto the garrison of these uncircumcised, it may be that the Lord will work for us. For there's no restraint to the Lord to save by many or by few. Look at verse 10. For the Lord hath delivered them into our hand, and this shall be a sign unto us. Look at verse 12. And Jonathan said unto his armour bearer, Come up after me, for the Lord hath delivered them into the hand of Israel. You see, Jonathan as a young man was filled with the knowledge and the reality of God. The text in the pulpit says, be still and know that I am God. And Jonathan knew his God. He had experienced the life of God in his soul. The life of God gripped his heart and mind. 
Jonathan, as a young man, took God at his word. Joshua, a previous leader of the children of Israel, has said, one of you shall chase a thousand. And Jonathan believed that. And he stepped forward with, with faith in the word of God. You will think of his senses. They would have told him, you're being stupid, son. There's overwhelming numbers of the Philistines against you. You're attempting to climb an impossible terrain. There's only two of you and you're only young fellas. And there's only one sword between us. But they weren't looking at that. They were filled with the spirit of faith in God. There was a clear dependence on the Lord. Yes, we're outnumbered. Yes, there's only two of us. Yes, it's an impossible terrain. Yes, we've only got one sword between us. But they bring the Lord into the picture. They don't leave him out. And that's the problem today. In the lives of many and the young people, and even among the older, in every situation, the Lord is clearly left out of the picture. But the Lord is very real to Jonathan. He mentions the Lord to the young fella. He says it may be that the Lord will work for us. He mentions it again in verse 10. For the Lord hath delivered them into our hand. He says it again in verse 12. For the Lord hath delivered them into the hand of Israel. Three times he mentions Jehovah. His heart and mind is gripped with a revelation of God. He doesn't look at the circumstances. He's not looking at the situation he faces. He's not looking at the difficulties. He's not looking at numbers. Doesn't the Bible say, but without faith, it is impossible to please him. For he that cometh to God must believe that he is, and is rewarder of them that diligently seek him. He's not looking to the garrison of the Philistines. He's not thinking of, of big, burly, Goliath-like soldiers that are there. He's not saying, but they're better equipped than me. He's not saying, but they've got weapons and we haven't. His eyes is on the Lord's person. His eyes is on the Lord's presence being with him. His eyes is on the Lord's provision. It may be that the Lord will work for us on the Lord's power. He, 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 he says, for the Lord hath delivered them into the hand of Israel. He's thinking of the Lord's promise. One of you shall chase a thousand. He knew he had no might by himself. He had no confidence in the flesh. He had no power in his own ability and strength. But he resolved. Because God had been revealed to him. And this was his mindset. We must try in the light of who God is. We must try in the light of what God is able to do. We, we must try in light of what God may do. He doesn't know what the Lord's going to do. But he's saying we have to try. Because we'll not see what the Lord can do if we don't try. And of course that's what the Lord wanted. A man of faith. Even though he was just a young man. A man to have faith in God. 
Saul was a man of folly. Jonathan is not like Saul. And he launches out into the unknown. And he launches out for the cause of truth and righteousness. Now, now think of this, young people. Two young men against a whole garrison of the Philistines. Two, two young men attacking a garrison of the Philistines in one of the most inaccessible places. Climbing a slippery slope. Climbing a thorny slope. And yet the revelation of God that gripped their hearts and minds caused them to leave the comfort of the security zone of Gibeah and head out into the unknown to take on the enemy. The revelation of God caused them to rest on God's word. It wasn't mere presumption. It wasn't mere folly. They believed God to be true to his word. One of you shall slay a thousand. And if a thousand had come out against Jonathan, I believe he'd have slain all of them. See, here's ordinary young men. And what are they doing? They're gripped with a revelation of God. And they dare believe in God. And they take God at his word. You see, I want you to understand, this wasn't just a mere inner compulsion. This wasn't a worked up willpower. Jonathan wasn't under the influence of anyone else. Doesn't the Bible say in Daniel 11.32, the people that do know their God shall be strong and do exploits. You see, true faith, true faith brings to us a knowledge of God. A knowledge of who God is and what God's will for us and that God will work for us. And true faith is based on the word of God, not on a feeling, not on presumption. It's wonderful to know that Jonathan left the door open for God even to say no. It says it may be that the Lord will work for us. He said to his armour bearer, we'll, we'll set a test. We'll expose ourselves to the garrisons of the Philistines. We let ourselves be seen. And if they say, we'll come down to you, we'll stay put. We'll not go. We'll not move an inch. But if they say to us, come on up here, we'll show you a thing or two. Then we will go up. We will know that that is God's will. They didn't go out of a feeling of guilt. They didn't go out for personal benefit. They just didn't want mere deliverance for the sake of a mere deliverance. They were acting because of the revelation of God that gripped Jonathan's soul primarily. A revelation for the honour and glory of God. And you know, that's the need of the hour. Young men who know God. Young men who are gripped with a revelation of who and what God is. Who know that God will work for his people. Christians. Who are filled not only with a revelation of God. But have experienced God gripping their heart and in their soul. That's why we encourage you to read the word of God. Be still and know that I'm God. How can God be known? He can't really be known while he's revealed in the 
book of creation. He's especially revealed in the book of Revelation. And it's revelation of God that faith employs. Forsaking all I trust him. Forsaking all I take him. Because I've read the word of God. I've meditated on the Holy Scriptures. I've sought to, to study the book. That's how best to get to know God. That's one of the things that's necessary. Read your Bible. Meditate on the scriptures. Take the word of God into your heart and mind. It's a real strong faith whose heart and mind is gripped by the word of God. Think of Mary and Martha. Wasn't there a lot of people in that home that day? Loads of preparation. Lots of things to do in the kitchen. And where was Mary? She was sitting at the feet of Jesus. And he said, let her alone. Why? Because she was getting to know me. Fill your heart and mind with the knowledge of God. Read and study and meditate on the word of God. See, the devil doesn't want you to read the word of God. He doesn't want you to know God. He, He wants to keep you from the book. He wants to keep you from the knowledge of God. Read the scriptures. Because by the scriptures, your faith in God can be strengthened. The revelation of God emboldened them. The revelation of God and their faith was strengthened by past victories. Because Jonathan had already fought against the Philistines and won. The revelation of God says God can do it. They're at the door. They're in the land. The revelation of God says, be jealous for the honor and glory of God. And their faith in God was willing to go with God and for God. Let me ask young people, do you know the Lord? Are you trusting in him? Can you say this God, the God of the Bible, is my God? And I'm living dependent on him. And I'm a child of his by faith. I have forsaken all my sin, my my desires, my lifestyle. I've given myself over lock, stock and barrel to the Lord. I belong to the Lord. I'm a blood-bought child. I'm trusting in him. He's my Lord and my Redeemer. Is your heart and mind filled with the revelation of God? Are you reading the scriptures? Are you getting to know this God? One final thing. The reward that faith experienced. It's wonderful that one young man, Jonathan, influenced his armor bearer. If you look with me at verse 7, And his armor bearer said unto him, Do all that is in thine heart, turn thee, behold, I am with thee according to thy heart. Isn't that wonderful? One young man influenced the other. Because one young man's heart was gripped with a revelation of God. One young man's heart was in fire for God, and fire begets fire. This other young man unnamed, his armor bearer, said, I'm all in. I'm, I'm with you 100%. That was words of loyalty. He didn't know what the future hold. I could go up that slippery slope, Jonathan, and I could fall. I could climb up those thorns and I could get caught in the thorny bush. And I could be exposed to the enemy. I, I could be shot and wounded by an arrow. I could be killed. He influenced his armor bearer. And you think of many faithful helpers that were raised up. When God raised up a giant, 
There was many helpers came to the side of the spiritual giants. Faithful in prayer, faithful in heart, faithful in studying the book. Old-fashioned loyalty was displayed. For every Joshua, there's a Caleb. For Moses, there was Miriam and Aaron. Will you be a faithful helper? For that's one of the rewards that, that faith experiences. Others are influenced and affected. And of course, there was an inheritance of that territory. Because let me tell you what happened. They climbed up that slippery slope. They climbed up that thorny way. And when they got to the top, they slew 20 Philistines. If you look with me at verse 14, it says, In that first slaughter which Jonathan and his armour bearer made was about 20 men. We're told, within, as it were, an half acre of land, which a yoke of oxen might ply. You see, God was at work. God wrought a great victory through the childlike faith of these two young men. Isn't it true tonight that little is much when God is on it? You think of a half acre and 20 soldiers and an arm to the teeth and one man with a sword and his armour bearer slews the, the, the 20 off them. Isn't it true, little as much, when God is in it? Here's the reward that faith experiences. Not only others are influenced, but there's an inheritance we can take ground for God. Now let me finish tonight. Things are dark in our country. I encourage you to pray for the land, and later on in the month we'll have a prayer meeting for the country. Things are dark in the church. These are difficult times for the church of Christ. And isn't the temptation, let's just find a tree. Let's just do what Saul did. It's too difficult, too dark. There's too much dearth. We'll just be inactive. We'll do nothing. We'll sit back and let the enemy have his way. Saul could have said, well, there's no easy time to serve the Lord. And you know he was right. There's never been an easy time to serve the Lord. From Martin Luther's day, right up to the covenanting times, to the Puritan times, right up to the 18th century awakening, right up to, to our time and our day, there's never been an easy time to serve the Lord. And what the Lord needs is young men and young women who are gripped by faith, faith in God. Who are gripped by a revelation of him. Who are filled with the heart and mind with the word of God. Young men with energy and strength and daring and zeal. And the knowledge of God and earnestness. And the sword of the spirit. Let me ask you. What are you doing young person for God? What are you doing with your time? What are you doing with your life? Don't think, well, you'll serve God when you're older. Because now is the time. If we talk tonight about Luther, talk tonight about Calvin, Melanchthon and many others, talk about William Carey, uh, talk about uh, many great missionaries for God, they all set out when they were young, gave their heart and life to the Lord and sought to serve him. The Lord had need of thee tonight. The reward that faith experiences 
the Lord is able to give the victory through you. May you resolve by faith to live for the Lord. May you be filled with a revelation of who God is. And may the Lord's reward be your portion as he uses you for his glory. May the Lord bless these few thoughts to our hearts this evening.